I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the OMG MotoGP podcast. We're going to be looking back at testing and to do it alongside myself, Harry Benjamin, his former Grand Prix rider and British champion, Keith Hewitt. And we're also joined by, well, ropey Wi-Fi, but it's Pete McLaren, Crash.net's MotoGP editor, uh, coming live to us. Thank you, Pete, for your time as always. Post-testing, um, what are the big headlines for you? Bearing in mind, I suppose, after the final test, it's a 1-2 for Ducati. That's right, Harry. Yeah, I, I mean, Ducati looks as strong as ever. I think if you were looking for a, an obvious favourite, it would be Ducati and Pekka once again. But I think there's reason to believe that Aprilia and, and uh, KTM are closer. Uh, Honda and Yamaha, they've also made progress, but I, I, probably the Qatar test was a little bit of a reality check there in that, that they've still got work to do. They're lacking rear grip, I think, and that, that shows up in the uh, in the timesheets and where they are. What Fabio Quattraro 14th on the Yamaha top Yamaha. Uh, Zarco well, 17th so uh, yeah I think that probably reflects where they are the work that they need to do of course they've got the concessions now so they can do that work but uh, yeah I think for the start of the season you're looking at the uh, at the Ducatis versus well the Europeans basically at the front but uh, no interesting some interesting long runs uh, or longer runs being put in by all sorts of uh, riders so uh, yeah it could be uh, you never quite know what's going to happen Qatar unique racetrack of course but uh, I think it should, it should be close it should be close Testing is testing is the favourite that all riders say at the end of the day, but then again, they'll want to be on top. And it was Peko that was absolutely blitzed the tyres. 1 minute 50.952 was Peko's fastest lap. The all-time lap record prior was Luca Marini at 51.762. Um, that'll give you some idea. That's um, a massively fast time. But of course, the track has changed. The whole facility has changed. Um, they started the, the, the test with awful conditions. The place was an absolute disaster as far as how mucky the track was. Um, but for me, there's a couple of standouts here, really. Raul Fernandez in fifth place on the new Trackhouse Racing Team um, bike was there, which is very encouraging indeed for them. Um, that looks like David Brivio, David A. Brivio, of course, has joined the team as as, as management. Um, that's an absolutely astute move, getting him on board. Uh, it would be interesting to see whether that can relate when we get to the actual racing. Um, 
Disappointing, I suppose, a little bit for Fabio Quattararo, but oh, you mentioned long runs a minute ago. Five lap runs, they were there or thereabouts at one point. Um, top speed, I, I noticed that, uh, if you added the average top speeds together at one point during the test, the, the Yamaha, both Yamahas were the quickest um, in top speed. And they're only a couple of mile an hour down by the end of the, by, by the time they've they trapped the, the time attack in at the end of the, the test session. Um, so is that a good sign for Yamaha? I would say probably yes. Um, let's hope so. Uh, it's going to be one of those uphill struggles by the look of it against uh, the improving Aprilia's. Even KTM, you know, KTM looked to me like they were going to have a good test. Uh, has it been a good test? <laughs> we made the mistake last year of saying they were all at sea and it wasn't going to work for them. And all of a sudden they came back and did the business. So I ain't going to say anything as far as KTM are concerned. Um, we will be getting Brad Binder on this show um, and we'll be getting it from the horse's mouth a bit later on on OMG MotoGP. Um, so that'll be interesting as well. Yeah, we will. He'll be joining us next week. But, I mean, Pete, yeah, well, last year, what, we were all slating KTM. They've lost it and they're going to be so far back. They're going to have to claw it all back and they absolutely blew us out of the park. Um, I mean, tentatively, outside of Ducati, though, how would you kind of be, be looking at things? Do you think this top line's been from Yamaha is a bit of a, a, a is, is more uh, light at the end of the tunnel or after what Fabio Quattararo has been coming out and saying, is it clutching at straws? As Keith says, it's all, you know, if you're a rider, you want top speed, you want engine power, don't you? Certainly in a race situation, that's going to help you. And so what we've heard from Quattararo in recent years, isn't it, it, is that he wants a bike he can fight with, not just go fast around a racetrack on his own with. And top speed is a big part of that. And I think Keith's absolutely right. The Yamaha engine, the Honda engine, that seems to be what the riders feel is one of the big improvements this year with the bike. The trouble is it's the rear grip they're still lacking. Uh, it, then if you look across at Aprilia, their engine seems almost unchanged. And, and we hear, you, you brought up Ralph Nandes, he's on the 23 bike, but we hear he could be upgraded during the year, which sort of had people scratching their heads because, of course, the engine specification is frozen for each rider at the start of the season. Whatever they start with, they have to keep all year. So it was like, well, how can he be upgraded during the year? Then, of course, you realize that maybe there won't be many changes to the 24 Aprilia engine. That's why everything else can be upgraded, the aero, the chassis, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why potentially Raul will get this sort of upgraded bike midway during the season. Um, but Aleish is a bit concerned about the engine on the Aprilia side. Uh, at KTM, they had a couple of engine specs. They're very cagey KTM with what they test, but they had a lot of parts to test. And uh, yeah, they had a couple of specs to run through. And they were also quick on the top speeds as well, Keith, weren't they? They were up there. I think Brad Binder consistently, along with, as you say, Fabio, uh, was setting top speeds, uh, high top speeds, which again then helps you with running more error, of course. This is the other thing. If you've got a strong engine, you can put more downforce on it and not lose out. So it's it, one thing leads to another in, in that regard. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the Aprilia and the KTMs, a lot of new parts, visibly, probably the Aprilia, I guess you would look at the you know, the bodywork on the back of the bike, quite radical. The F1 little mini diffuser on the rear tail, everything that, you know, they're not slowing down on this development. And uh, I think that's probably also why we only saw, coming back to Brad Binder, that he did a full race simulation um, because there wasn't really time. They were, they were testing so many new parts that uh, there's just not time to do the full, full race simulations as they would have done in the past at the final day of testing. I think the classic thing, let, let's just reiterate the, the engine power situation, shall we? Why riders are always, the obvious thing is you love more power. Of course you do. But that usually means that you've got to develop everything else. As you quite rightly said, Pete, as far as aero and stuff is concerned. But the reason a rider specifically needs that extra little bit of oomph down in a straight line 
is because otherwise you've done all the work through the twisty bits and you get on the straight and someone sticks it underneath you on the brakes because they've managed to get alongside you and it mires your corner speed um, so much. So Yamaha will be very keen to, to be using that slightly more top end. And as you say, it gives them the opportunity to fight, which means you can mire somebody else's um, overall lap time if you've managed to get up the inside of them somewhere. So Yamaha are in a better position regarding that um, but, you know, what tends to happen is you just swap the problem somewhere else. Um, you might have given yourself a whole load more horsepower, but uh, then you've got to make sure, like you say, if you're, not, if you're lacking in traction, you can't put it down. But I, I, tentatively, you've got to say that the Yamaha at Qatar look, looked better than perhaps we might have expected at the time. Um, Cal Crutchlow was out, obviously. Augusto Fernandez, we, we've spoken to him, but uh, Augusto Fernandez... He'd got a, a big comeback that he'd got to make after the Sepang test. He had a couple of crashes there. That wasn't so good for him either. Um, bit, Jack Miller as well looked quite good. I mean, he ended up in 11th place. I'm always, a, I hate using places when you get the timesheet at the end of a test because you don't know what everybody was playing at and where they were headed. And again, I'll use the KTM uh, analogy, if you like, in that, that last year they didn't look like they were anywhere. And then by the time we got to racing proper, it would all the, we were all back on, on, on song again. But Bangnaya, what did he end up? Uh, just over a tenth quicker than Nenea Bastianini um, with Aleish putting the Aprilia in there again as Aleish does. I mean, he's always good for that that time attack, end of end of day kind of thing. I've got all the timesheets here as we went through the hour. Um, you know, Fabio Antonio was right up there as well. You know, Bezecchi was right up there as well. Bastianini was on top. Jorge Martin, we haven't even spoken about Jorge Martin, have we? He ended up... He ended up in seventh place, but he was sort of there or thereabouts. I think there were a lot of Mark Marquez was up there, you know, at one point as well on the Grassini bike. So that time attack, I think, at the end of the day. Of course, the other thing is, is we go from, from light into shade, don't we, at Qatar in the test? It goes from boiling bloody hot um, to just hot um, as, as the sun goes down. And, and that makes a huge difference as well, how that transition is managed by the teams um, going into the evening part of the session. So... I don't know. Qatar's a weird one. Um, I'd rely more on Sepang test in time than uh, than maybe Qatar, but it's going to be a cracking year. That's for fact. It, it is a weird one. It's sakey. I mean, just just qualifying, for example, if you take that in the race weekend, it's in the daylight, isn't it? You know, and, and you've got the race at night. So there's all sorts of, uh, of weird things that go on with the Qatar race weekend. I think in some ways it favours the satellite teams having this test beforehand at the same racetrack because they of course don't have as many new parts to try so they can work on setup and I think that probably plays into the hand we've seen upsets in Air Bastianini for example haven't we in recent years uh, Qatar coming out and winning you wouldn't rule out Digi Antonio from the form he's been on of doing something similar really would you um, and I think you know those guys they can work on setup you've got the factory guys KTM if we keep bringing up throwing constantly throwing new parts of the bike to gather data then going away and sorting through it all coming back with the bike that they think is the one that that will work for them and uh yeah at the other end of the of the uh <laughs> of the new parts table you've got guys that have a bike that's completely proven get on it ride it get your setup going and there'll be some people that probably will go into the race weekend pretty much sorted and ready to go on the satellite bike yeah well um i Keith mentioned uh, this name just a few moments ago, Augusto Fernandez, and uh, we've been talking about well, testing has been going well for some and not well for others. Uh, 
I think, left wanting a little bit more for Augusto Fernandez down at Gas Gas. Uh, but we caught up with him um, last week, so just a few days ago, actually, uh, and we sent uh, the newest member of the OMG team, Renita Vermeulen, our roving reporter, uh, to go and have a chat with him. The first thing I wanted to speak with you about was you are fresh from the Sepang test. How did testing go for you? Well, not so good. Um, it didn't go as planned, for sure. Uh, we struggled a lot. Uh, but uh, yeah, luckily it was the, just the first the first test of the season, so still a lot to do. Uh, now we are in Qatar for two two more days, and uh, really important because are uh, the, the last ones uh, before the first race. So um, yeah, hopefully we we can recover our work and uh, put ourselves in in the positions that where we have to be this year. Yeah. Okay. So did you find that with the first test of the season where you were necessarily where you wanted to be, was that because the bike has changed a lot from last year or is it just that you're starting fresh and there's a new challenge ahead of you? No, we we lost a bit of time the first day uh, with the plan. Um, I think the plan on, of work was, was not ideal and um, then uh, we struggled to recover. Uh, when you lose a day in testing, it's, it's hard to recover it. So um, yeah, people... Work so well and so fast, and um, and in the end, uh, every year we improve lap times, and you cannot uh, lose any any minute of work. So, um, uh, yeah, it it was all then a consequence. I lost a bit of confidence, had a couple of crashes. So, uh, yeah, uh, we struggle, we struggle, but um, yeah, here we are, uh, minds reset and uh, ready to to, as I said, um, get back on our positions. Awesome. So this is your second year in the Premier class with. Last year, 2023, being your rookie debut in MotoGP. I wanted to know, in your opinion and your experience, how was it transitioning from Moto2 to MotoGP for you? Well, was hard, was very difficult. Um, more than what I expected before before to to move up. Um, there's a lot of new things, a lot of um, the new tires, uh, a lot of bottoms you have to 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 switch on switch off during the lap uh so it's a new um way of working that i had to get used to it also the new format with the sprint races on saturday um so a lot of new things uh that may made the year very difficult but i think it was a positive one we learned a lot we were competitive uh we were fast at the end of the year so uh yeah we are ready for to have another one like one thing I noticed last year was you really didn't crash much at all. And I know no one likes to talk about crashing, but you did it. And <laughs> I think you finished most of the races in the season. Um, the last part of the season, you looked very strong as well. And even with all that crazy, silly season talk that you had to deal with, did you find that your mentality then going into your first year in MotoGP was for you just to try and get as many laps as you could possible so you could just gather the data? Was that how you went into the season to go a little bit with just, yeah, banking the laps, getting the data to progress then this year? Yeah, uh, it, it was a little bit like that. Uh, somehow when, when I when I discovered the MotoGP bike and how different it was and and and... As I said before, all the like the new tires and all the the new things that I had to learn again. Um, my strategy was to yeah, I, I need time. I need uh, as 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 many laps as I, as I can. I um, need to finish all the races possible because during the race time is where you learn the most. And um, yeah, I needed every lap of every race to 
to yeah to have a, a quicker learning process you know and uh, of course I wanted to win I spared even a podium at the end of the season because I, I saw myself competitive but um, um, yeah it will happen this year so uh, confident because we had a good um, last part of the season and we built uh, a lot of good things last season so we are ready to to have a good one this this year but last season you were so close to a podium if you think back to Le Mans in France you finished in fourth right so what was that weekend like for you being so close to the front of the field how did everything seem to work together for that weekend well this weekend honestly was um, in the end it ended up being the best weekend of the season so it happened so early on the season at the fifth race of the season I think we got the fourth place, so um, you know, at that time we we weren't thinking that much on results, so it just it was just coming by work and work and, and as I said, laps and laps. So it was was good. Um, but I have to say, I, I've I felt more ready to have a podium at the end of the season. Like I was more concerned about how to ride a MotoGP bike, how to manage the weekends and everything. So I was much more. Yeah, ready to have a podium, but uh, it didn't happen. So, uh, um, but yeah, the level was increasing and our speed was increasing during all the year. But the, the best result was in Le Mans. But this weekend was awesome. Also, was the home race for the team. So, it was a very special one. Yeah, that was so exciting watching you. And I saw the behind the scenes that MotoGP put online and just the excitement that was coming from you and the team. It was so awesome to watch. And so with your end of last season being so strong, now you're coming into your second season in MotoGP. You're no longer the rookie in the field. Apart from testing, we're not going to think about testing, but how do you feel going into your second year in MotoGP? Yeah, I, I feel good. I, I feel good. I feel, as I said, ready to 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 start from where, from where we left last, last year uh, with the speed we had. Uh, I think the bike has improved a lot. Um, Obviously, we need to work a lot during these two days because, uh, yeah, testing is testing. But uh, we, 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 Saban didn't go as planned, as I said. So we need to 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 work a lot and and uh, finish these two days with um with our level, not not more, but with our level, back to our level, and uh, and from the first race, build from there. The bike is better. The bike, KDM did a good job uh, in gas gas. So. Um, we are ready to 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 enjoy this year and uh, and have good results. So this season you have a new teammate, and I know it's not the first time that you've had this teammate and you've been teammates with Pedro Acosta. There's been so much hype around Pedro stepping up to the Premier class, and now this makes you the rider with the more experience in the Gas Gas Garage. How has this whole thing been with you having that hype with the extra teammate? Has it added any extra pressure for you to perform as the rider with the more experience? Well, of course I had to to perform um, because it's my second year. It's uh, uh, and I want to perform not not because it's my time. It's because I want to perform. I want to win. Um, having Pedro on the same team is I think it's good for for me because he has he has the level to be there. We saw. In- one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment. 
you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Japan, uh, that he's straight away, he's fast with the MotoGP bike. He understands how this bike goes and how, how to be fast with this bike. So it, it will be good for me because I can compare a lot of data. And I can, uh, as, I, as we did in Moto2, in the end, we increased the level of the team a lot. And uh, we end up winning races. I won the championship. He, he won a lot of races at the, at the last part of the season also. So um, we increased the level. And um, that's what I'm looking forward for, for this year, to, to work with him. And, um, and of course, it's, it's the first one I have to beat. And we have to beat each other. But uh, learn from him, of course, and, uh, and, uh, and use it to, to increase the level. You mentioned there about the sharing of the data. I wanted to know, do you get to share the data between obviously yourself and your teammate, but with the other riders in the Piera Mobility Group with Jack and Brad, do you share the data between you all? Yes, uh, we have uh, we have um, access to all the data, uh, also from Brad and Jack. Uh, maybe not at the, at the same time. I can open the Pedro's data. Once I'm on the box, I can ask for Pedro's data. But then maybe on the afternoon we can we can share with with Brad and Jack whatever we want. So um, yeah, as I said, uh, KDM is and Casgar we are working very good. We are um, improving a lot the bike and improving a lot uh, everything. So uh, I think we will be we will have a good year. Definitely. So for you, I know you've spoken about getting on the podium. Is that one of your main goals for this year, or is there something else that you're wanting to achieve with your second year in MotoGP apart from being world champion? Yeah, of course. Well, being world champion, of course, is the main goal, but um, it 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 has to come first the podium and first, and, and the win. So um, yeah, it's what I'm looking for for this year uh, to be more constantly at the front, uh, uh, and especially to be the the first PM mobility bike. Um, that's that's my main goal uh, because it will be tracks that we can we can aim for podiums, we can aim for wins, or will be tracks that we can. That will be more difficult. So uh, my main goal for for all the races is to to be consistently the first peer mobility bike on the grid, and um, and then we will see what's coming. I was also then just thinking that I wanted to ask you with that big step up from Moto Two to Moto GP, and now you're in your second year. Is there something that you've had to overcome, or maybe change with your riding, or a habit that you've had on the bike? that you've realized now this year is something that you've needed to change from last year and the previous years? Yeah, coming from the Moto2 bike, uh, I had to change a little bit my riding style uh, when last year. Um, and uh, I've been working on it during all the year and, and especially this winter to, uh, to, yeah, to start this season strong. But uh, yeah, I had to change a little bit my riding style uh, for the MotoGP and maybe because of the, of the KDM. It asks uh, different things of uh, how the Moto2, how I was riding the Moto2. So, um, yeah, I've been working a lot on it and hopefully we, I can show it on track now. Is there one thing as well that 
maybe you had to uh, overcome or work a little bit harder to understand? Was it the difference in the tires? Was it the carbon brakes? Was there something that just took that little bit more for you to get to know from Moto2 and the previous years you've been racing? I'm still doing it. I'm still uh, uh, learning, uh, if I'm honest with you, how to deal with MotoGP in the end. It's a lot of work. Uh, I have to put a lot of hours in the box, uh, work with a lot of people, and uh, but it will never stop. So that's that's the difference between MotoGP and Moto2. Uh, we got to put a lot of hours in, not only in the track, but in the in the box also with, with data, with electronics, with the, the computer. And um and with my people around, so um yeah, that's the um, the most different and difficult part of one of But uh, yeah, we have to do it. So we put uh the questions out to um some of the listeners of our podcast, saying if they had anything that they wanted to ask you, and we've had some uh, of our listeners write back. So if you're okay, I'm gonna ask some questions. So the first question comes from Alpsifer. I think I said that right. He's asked you, how different does MotoGP life feel in comparison to Moto2? And he put examples like working with the team or the extra media attention. How different does it feel for you? Well, yeah, exactly. Working with the team first, but that's the the, the funniest part and then what we enjoy because we are here. Uh, we are MotoGP riders and um, I, I do enjoy working with the team and everything. But what um, is the most... Um, Difficult and different part is uh, the media, the media things we have to attend, and um, and uh, all these parties, uh, yeah, is uh, the the difference between Moritz and Moritz. Yeah, okay. So there's a lot more commitments, a lot more things that you have to do outside of just riding the bike, <laughs> like this, like talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> the next question comes from Riding Graphic. Interesting username. If you could ride any production bike around any circuit, what bike and what circuit would it be? Um, I would like to ride um, KDM RC8 in in a karting. I would like to put this bike on a karting because this I, I tried this bike on in Austria in the Austria um, Austrian track, uh, but I would like to put it on a on a karting track and um, on Spielberg. Uh, but I would like to put it on a um, on a um, on a smaller track. This is a very fun, fun bike, and uh, I'm sure uh, I will enjoy it. Awesome. So, Lucas Nickel wants to know, what did your very first MotoGP race start feel like? If you could put it into words, what did it feel like? Well, a lot of um, thoughts in my head that uh, I wasn't sure where I'm, I was going to be before the first race, you know, like uh, I, in terms of level, in terms of position. Um so a lot of ant- a lot of questions that I was um, asking myself, uh, but um, yeah, obviously then when when I finished the first race was was good, and uh, then you get to know the how how race is, how MotoGP race is, and um, then it's everything is more relaxed. But the first one is like uh, you 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 have a lot of questions to yourself. No, like the nervous and then the excitement and the adrenaline, and then I bet that being at that start line of it would have just been like. Yeah. All of the feeling, everything at once. <laughs> the last question I have from you is from Alisa, who has asked, has your off-season training changed at all from the previous years now that you understand the demands of a MotoGP calendar? Yeah, yeah, physically and um, and, and especially mentally. Because um, 
it's it's really tough with 22 races um and with a lot of trips uh, all over the world so um yeah um i've learned from last year um and i I've, I've changed a little bit my training this winter but yeah feeling ready one final question that i have for you is actually it's a three-part question what is your favorite circuit and what is the circuit that you're most looking forward to racing this year and what circuit do you wish MotoGP would race at that's not currently on the calendar? So to start again, what's your favorite circuit to race at? My favorite race is, uh, or my favorite circuit is Assen. Uh, because I want... The new Assen or the old Assen? The new, the new one. The new one. The old one because I, I, I just race on the new one. I don't know the old one. And I, and I've, and I had a couple of wins there in Moto2, so uh, that's my favorite one, my favorite race. Uh, and this year with the Moto EP, I'm looking forward to, yeah, Asen is one race that I'm looking forward to it. Um, Le Mans again, um, Misano, uh, yeah, tracks that I like and, 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 uh, I really enjoy with my riding style, uh, racing there. Uh, and then, uh, one race that I'm missing and, uh, there's also a track that I really like is Aragon, the Spanish, the Spanish race. Um, also I've been very fast there in the past, so. Uh, it's it's one race I'm missing, so hopefully this track comes comes again into into our calendar. Ah, oh, that's so cool! I love it. Well, Augusto, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I wish you all the best for the 2024 season, and I can't wait to see you on that podium on the top step very soon. Thank you very much. So that was Renita there talking to Augusto Fernandez, and yeah, Pete. I mean, not not the the most uh, successful of tests for Augusto that he would have been wanting, and of course, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him because of who his teammate is as well this year. That's right. Yes, a teammate again. They they were teammates in uh, in Moto Two when when Augusto won his title, and and uh, Pedro was a rookie. But uh, yeah, certainly all eyes are on Acosta, and he's come out swinging, hasn't he, from the start of preseason testing this year. While, as you say, Augusto's been on the back foot a little bit, but uh, as he makes clear in that interview, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's got high expectations of himself. He knows he's got to deliver this year, year two. It's the time to get the results. And um, yeah, he, to be honest, Sapan got off to a slow start. The test there, it was a bit better for him at Qatar, but I think definitely work still to do going into the new season for him. I think Augusto was quite uh, fluid in what he was saying. I mean, I think that learning a new bike you know, from Moto Two to Moto GP, it's still quite a big step, despite the fact Moto G- Moto Two is closer to Moto GP now, perhaps because of the electronics and so on and so forth. But a hell of a difference in in riding style that you that's still developing. So you can understand what Augusto was on about regarding that side of it. Uh, it it's 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 an uphill struggle. Um, but again, you know, I think Renita was right in what she said last year. He didn't crash a lot last year. He was learning all the way through the year. That is an important factor. You've got to keep yourself fit if you're going to be there. It's a long season this year. The worst thing you can do is get frustrated, you know, push just that fraction too hard, pick up an injury early on, and that's going to mire your entire year. And and it will wreck a career. You know, he will be out at the end of the year if, if he's not performed. And we know, okay, you know, KTM generally as a company are quite ruthless when it comes to um, hiring and firing. So, um he might be a former world champion, but he might find himself um, in some difficulty at the end of the year if he hasn't picked up enough pace. Um, wish him well. I like the guy. He's, he's eloquent. He, you know, he, he, he makes an effort on all fronts. You know, he's the right man for, for being in the paddock. He's a good man to be with, with, with Gas Gas. But 
and it's a good team, you know, as far as looking after people are concerned, and he needs that at the moment. Um, you know, he didn't have a he didn't have a fast test this time out, but my, but my concern would be whether he had one that satisfied him, which takes him into racing. It's where you find that benchmark that that I think he was talking about it in that you know he wants to start the season in the right place and then improve from there rather than be catching up all the time. Um, so that default. Uh, Mark, for him as a rider, is very important when he gets out to the first round. It certainly is. Um, another person who didn't have a, a good test or really any testing at all, uh, Pete, Franco Morbidelli, um, a man who has been under pressure the last couple of years. He's got new team now, uh, and this is not the way he would have wanted to start his 2024 campaign. No, absolutely not. I mean, I can't think, I mean, I don't know if Keith can think of an example, but I can't think of another time where there's been a rider that's missed all of the preseason testing recently anyway, in recent years. And got into the first race, especially when they've changed team, they've changed bike. Uh, the good news for him, of course, is that he's changed to probably the best sorted out bike on the grid. Uh, and we've seen how quick the, the 24 version of the Ducati is. Peko saying it's just better in every area, which is not what his rivals will want to hear. But that's also good news for Morbidelli, somebody who's going to be jumping on the bike, having done, what, a couple of hours at Valencia last November. So virtually nothing on the bike. Um, as you say, he's been sidelined as a precaution because he was knocked unconscious. They just, it was the doctors just felt it'd be risky to if he if he took another hard hit to the head so soon, shall we say, or in the weeks after the previous blow. So that's that's why he's been sidelined. But he was there in Qatar, working with the team, talking to the team, um, and and there's no reason to believe he won't be on the bike for the race weekend. Morbidelli is one of those guys, and if he was in my queue for an aeroplane, I'd be switching planes. It's, um, I've got to say that he's got to be the unluckiest bloke that I, I, I know at the moment. And starting off the season in the way that he is, is just... And the trouble is, he's, you know, whatever anybody says, yeah, he's on the 2024 bike. That just unloads all the pressure onto him. If he was on an old bike and he had half an excuse, then that would be fine, but he hasn't got one. Um, so, morbid, I mean, he'll handle it. He's eloquent, he's intelligent, he's fast. If he can make all of those things work for him this year. I feel for Morbidelli, but... It just seems to me that it might be a... He's been given another chance this year um, and it has started off in the worst possible way. Um, all we can say is wish him well, hope he makes that comeback that we know his talent is capable of. Absolutely. Um, let's end. I know we haven't been able to sort of go in depth on everybody, um, but you'll understand uh, if you saw the behind the scenes of the recording of this because Pete's Wi-Fi is clinging on by a thread. Uh, so we're going to uh, finish things up. Um, and talk about Mark Marquez, of course, you know, the biggest name in MotoGP. Uh, all eyes are on him, Pete, on that Grassini. Where did he finish his final uh, day? It was fourth, wasn't it? Just behind uh, Alicia Spargro and, uh, and the two Ducatis. Uh, had a crash, though, in the in the final stages, but I think a, a lot of people were crashing, really. A lot of people were pushing. That's right, yes. So that was, that was his first crash from the Ducati. So after the end of his sixth day on the bike, it sort of finally happened. As he said, it was always going to happen at some stage. So maybe get that one out of the way before a race weekend. Only a small tip-off, I think, turn four, not, nothing big. Uh, he, he, he did do a long run as well, but it doesn't appear on the timesheets. And so he was sort of asked about that because he was speaking about his long run being, you know, an improvement as well as his time attack speed. Uh, it seems his transponder had a problem, so we don't know exactly what his lap times were there. But uh, yeah, he thinks he's around fifth, sixth place at the moment. He thinks he's not up there with the the Pecos, the Bastianinis, the Martins, those those uh, the, the big three, if you like, the obvious three at the front. Um, 
so so that's how he goes into this new season. But I mean, Mark Marquez, if he's in the top five, six, then uh, in a race situation, you know, look out. I think a 51-3, four tenths under the outright circuit record as it was, is not too bad, is it? I think you'd go away from that with only one crash as well by Mark Marquez's standards. That's a good day out. So I, I would I would definitely say that he's he's starting. I like the slightly subdued, you know, humble, modest, quiet style that he's really taken on with this Grassini team at the moment. Uh, you know, no one can write this kid off. Of, well, he's not a kid anymore, but you, no one can write him off of what he's capable of doing. Um, he goes good at Qatar. He likes Qatar. It's worked out for him well in the past. So we'll see whether whether he comes back with a bang. But I mean, you you can't write the bloke off. There's no doubt about that. He's going quick. He's he's about where he where he ought to be. Um, I mentioned that default with um, with Morbidelli a bit earlier on. You know, you, you want to start. Oh, sorry, with Augusto Fernandez. You want to start off at that point, and he has found a great level to start his season with. Um, uh, Frankie Carcetti is his crew chief. He's going to be working with him this year. Um, they're just settling in together. That's the other thing you got to remember. It's not just about settling in with a new bike, new team. You've got a new crew chief. You know, Santi Hernandez has been his his longtime crew chief in the past. He didn't move across with him. Um, so there's a few moving parts in the background that 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 um, Marquez is getting used to, and I think that he's he's there or thereabouts. Don't write him off for sure. He's going to be there. You can never write him off, can you? I think uh, one thing's for sure. I think most of GP certainly. Uh, and the, in the first few rounds of 2024 should be a bit of a box office uh, smash hit with uh, so many top riders and teams in the hunt. But that is just testing all done. Two weeks, just less than that. Whenever you come to watch or listen to this review until racing action kicks off in anger. Uh, and the OMG team will be here with you all the way looking forward and looking back at every race of the season and bringing you uh, some exclusive interviews with riders and other people from the MotoGP paddock. But we shall leave it there. Uh, my thanks to Keith Ewan and a big thank you to Pete McLaren for clinging on with his wife. Like, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.